Hello, welcome to the Ski Zone with uh, your truly, the ski man himself, and I got my partner in crime back again. Q, are you here? Q is here. Q is here. Q to Mike's. Well, we got a lot of things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about our experience um, at Alabama A&M's homecoming. We're going to talk about Dion, that experience. It's a it was kind of a unique experience for me, my first ever time to go to one of their homecomings. <clears throat> and we're going to hit some Major League Baseball playoffs a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about last week's games, the big upset in College Station, what's going to happen moving forward. We'll talk a little recruiting. Uh, we're going to talk about the John Gruden situation, and then we will probably end the thing on our proverbial picks. So let's start things out. You and I were at the uh, Alabama A&M homecoming, and Deion Sanders was there coaching. And that was a different experience for me. I've never been to an HBCU homecoming. The feel I got was it was more of a social experience rather than it was less about football. I did enjoy it. I mean, Jackson State put a hurting on Alabama A&M. I thought it killed glass. Has an arm. He's going to be drafted. But the thing I noticed about him is he's not always accurate, and he stares down receivers. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I do want to go to another A&M game, but I probably won't do the homecoming game. I will do a, <laughs> a regular game because I care about football. Yeah, I, I would like to say it was a definitely the, – the, I wanted us to have this matchup against Jackson State from Mississippi – uh, A&M being my alma mater, I just felt like we was playing some good football early on. But, you know, going up against Jackson State, seeing that the defense has a lot of holes that need to be filled, couldn't couldn't stop Jackson State really at all. They kind of just did whatever they wanted to us. And, um, yeah, I even noticed with the our offensive line was not even holding up that good to where it was like the a, uh, quill glass. It was crazy. Uh, he didn't even get to, like, do what we've normally seen him do in previous games as far as even – he's won us games with his arms strictly. But interesting story that I want to tell today was, like, obviously it was – man, it was it was a packed crowd. It was a lot of people that there. it was. I, I mean, even people just standing all over the place. And with that being said, we had tickets by each other, but – I noticed when I got to my seats, nobody was there. I mean, not nobody was there. Somebody was in my seats, and somebody was in your seat as well. And I would take that as uh, – I know you probably got in a little bit before I did because it was taking me a while to get into the stadium. But I ended up getting, you know, by my row. I bought my tickets online. I'm thinking, okay, I'm walking down closer and closer to the field, and I see somebody sitting on my seat. You know, I'm trying to be polite with the guy, and I'm asking him, like, is, you know, excuse me, sir, like, can I just, can you just tell me the number of these seats that you're sitting in? Just trying to ask him to try to hold himself accountable. And, you know, he's just like, oh, you know, I paid $117 for these tickets, and the guy told me that I could sit wherever I wanted. I was like, oh, well, these, these are my seats, sir. 
uh, I'm, I'm just need my seats. And he was like, oh, man, everybody's losing their seats. You know, I'm t- trying to be polite with the guy still. And I'm like, hey, sir, I'm not I'm not everybody. But I pay for these tickets online. Then I one more time, give him another chance. I'm just like, well, sir, how about you just show me your tickets that say that these two seats belong to you? And I go about my way. Didn't want to show me the tickets. So I showed him my tickets. And the, I guess the bigger problem was his, his wife and another woman actually was sitting in my real seats. He wasn't in my seat. And but I mean, uh, and he ended up making his wife get up and oh, she was hot. She was she was furious at the situation. I'm, I'm pretty sure she was thinking, I don't know how you're letting this young kid talk to you like this. Even though I wasn't talking to him crazy, but she wasn't having it at all. But I ended up sitting in my seat. And then I ended up giving the people my seats because I got upgraded to the presidential tailgate. So it all worked out for everybody anyway. But, you know, I just wanted to share that to say, you know, when you're in the right, you're in the right, man. Don't be afraid to tell people what you pay for. That's right. You know, and, and it was. It was a lot of people standing in the concourses. I never even got to my seat. I went down there and was like, I'm not even going to do it. I stood in the concourses. I watched most of the first half. I left at half, left at halftime. Um, didn't even stay for the van, but it was an interesting experience. I do want to go to another game, but I don't want to go to the homecoming game. But, you know, it's college football. It'll be interesting. Like I said, we've talked a lot about HBCUs and where they're going to go, what the direction, what's the future hold. What are they trying to accomplish moving forward? And we're going to talk more about that moving forward. But let's shift our focus today now on um, the Major League Baseball playoff picture. We're going to start off with my Atlanta Braves winning the divisional series over the Milwaukee Brewers. And we're also going to do a nice round of applause for your Boston Red Sox getting through the wild card series against the Rays. Now they're in the ALCS versus the Houston Astros. Now we're going to find out the big battle of the two hated teams uh, Los Angeles Dodgers and the um, uh, San Francisco Giants. They play game um, five tonight, and the winner of that goes on to the NLCS. That game doesn't come on until 9 o'clock tonight. We're not going to know until 1 a.m. That's 9 o'clock Pacific, Pacific time. time. So we're not going to know till like, 1 o'clock in the morning. I mean – we're going to wake up in the morning and find out who won that game. I'm not going to stay up for that game. I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> um, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Um, the playoff picture's neat. I, I, I remember I told you my prediction was the Braves and the Giants, and I said the Red Sox, and didn't I say the White Sox? I'm halfway there. It's, you know, Bon Jovi said you're halfway there, right? <laughs> Living on a prayer. So, oh, man. We'll see how it plays out. We're going to talk a little more deeper into the playoff picture as it goes forward. One thing you got to look at it is, um, if you think about it, the team has to, the winner in the the, the championship series, I believe it's you got to win six out of the next, or excuse me, eight out of the next ten or something. What is it you got to win? Yeah, you're going to have to win eight out of the next 14 games, right? And you'd be World Series champion. You got to think, is it doable? I think it's doable for any of these teams to get hot at the right time. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, big, big shout out to your Braves. Um, 
I actually I wouldn't I really wouldn't mind if if this worked out. I obviously I said the you know the Giants would probably beat the Dodgers, but really the winner of this series would win the World Series. But I wouldn't mind your Braves making it out and my Sox making it out. Cause that that would be an experience. I, I have yet to go to a playoff baseball game. So. Yeah, and that that you'd have some in Atlanta. I'm gonna tell you what, I'd probably try to make time to go to one of those games. You're gonna be playing through the nose, but it it'll be really interesting. I, it's exciting time. Baseball in October is as as good as it gets. Um, let's shift our topic here. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, John Group. This man, they, I don't even know what the email said. And in this day and age, I don't know, was it somebody hypersensitive? What did he really say that was so derogatory? But I'd say in this in this world, in the world we live in, I don't think racism can ever be to- tolerated. But my question is, with how sensitive people are today, were his comments actually racist? I don't know. I don't know what was. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because even the, the the NFL Player Association does want the emails released. Is they're hinting at it could be some some form of racism, homophobic rhetoric. But uh, I mean, also um, I notice if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the report says the emails are from 2011. So it it wasn't something that I believe was said like in conjunction with this current season or email sent recently. It, it's, it's saying something from 2011, and then John Gruden obviously just ups and resigns. So we kind of not going to get any answers there from him. But, I mean, the bigger thing for me, even being a Las Vegas Raider fan, is I don't even I don't even know how we're supposed to finish this season, how we're supposed to go forward, because he's a very intricate part of our team. Our team kind of was in this rebuilding stage, and there's still gaps that he wasn't able to fill in yet. And, I mean, we signed the guy for a 10-year, $100 million contract, and he didn't even make it halfway through that. Right. So, some of that even makes – I don't – I mean, I, I don't really know what's going on. Obviously, to your point, if if it is – if it is some of, you know, just, like, blatant disrespect to somebody, I'm – you know, I'm all for, like, bringing that to the forefront. But without knowing, like, the, like the proper context, like, be even me playing football myself or playing sports myself like a lot of things happen that a lot of people outside of the those trenches would deem derogatory like even when you think about things that happen in the locker room or relationships that people build with people like there's a lot of things the outside world would think this crosses the line big time and then it even makes me think like if it was that derogatory for this to be the reaction now why, if it was from 2011, I believe the emails say, why wait until now? That's been a lot of my question with a lot of stuff that happens, like, when it's, like, past to present, where it's like, why wait so long if it's that bad? Right. And and how did they find out now? Why didn't they say something back then? It's it, It's got a lot of of uh, awkward uh, feel to it. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, so, I mean, hopefully we turn it around, and Derek Carr has touched on it a little bit, and I just hope this this doesn't derail us from what we're trying to accomplish, and our first 
our first season with the fans in the stands and just really like getting back to the normalcy of football. I just hope we're able to turn this thing around quickly. Right. And getting back on the NFL, my Dallas Cowboys. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. They're playing really well. They're hot. Dak is looking like the quarterback they were hoping he would be. They're spreading it around Amari Cooper, Gallup, Lamb, and uh, just overall playing some good football. Um, I think we, if we keep the keep this up, I think we stand a really good chance. We're gonna we'll be in the playoffs, but uh, I think we're gonna go to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, definitely don't see y'all going to the Super Bowl. I, that is that is one take I cannot agree with. I mean, I think. That conference that you guys are in is like the JV conference of the whole NFL. Oh, now you're trying to talk noise. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll see. We'll talk more about NFL playoffs as we get closer to that. Now let's shift the focus here. We're going to talk a little about my Alabama. They went into College Station, and you know A&M was better than the record. They were recruit. They had some talent. And they lost their quarterback for the year. And then this new guy was kind of trying to come onto his own. And it was a tough atmosphere at night. And then Alabama, especially in that first half, just lays a horrendous turd. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. come on, man. And then when you had a chance, you take the lead and you have a chance to put it away, they come back and tie it, and then you get the ball back with three minutes left with a good – we have a good – we actually have a good kicker now. Jaleel Billingsley drops a first down pass that would have kept the drive alive. Mm. And as soon as they punted the ball, I was like, boy, you just dump turds in your food bowl. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. But it's been in the past that when Alabama drops a game under Saban, has traditionally it has served as like a wake-up call and they usually bounce back and well that kind of remains to be seen i think there's some issues with some leadership in the players i have some questions with the the defensive coordinator and some of the play calling but overall they just need to get a grip tighten up play some football yeah i did end up talking to somebody else about the game and he did mention that um this is some of the worst defensive calls he's seen, mm-hmm. especially like lack as, of execution. They weren't lying. He you said had players take, penal- taking the y'all wrong took gaps. a lot of penalties. Oh yes, a lot of penalties. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was definitely an abnormal abnormal I guess call. We didn't we, we didn't really predict that on the last one. We we thought Alabama would win that one, but um to your point, I I, I have said this many times. I. I think it's it's always better for a Nick Saban team to lose early on because even when you think about some of them games you guys had that were a little bit close, but you're still winning, it's still winning kind of like mass, the mistakes Absolutely. that need to get turned around. And this is a perfect way to expose, like, like see, if, if we don't fix this. This is what's going to happen against a, a, a talented team, good on good. They're going to they're gonna ta- they're gonna put take advantage of it. So, we'll see. I expect they likely will bounce back. Uh, just looking around the country, um, Penn State went down. But here's the thing. Um, they could bounce back, too. I think they'll bounce back. Uh, 
the Michigan Wolverines. We've talked about this. J- Jim Harbaugh. They're undefeated. This looks like the best Michigan team I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they they won a close one in Nebraska, but it was on the road. They got to get that monkey off their back. They've got to beat Ohio State. Now, that's later this year. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I definitely think they'll, like I said, I, I think this is Harbaugh's year to make that, that playoff appearance. Like, to show even, when we're talking about coaches getting paid money, he got paid a lot of money to come coach at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, man, they haven't made any appearances in the playoff yet. And it's it's, it's about that time to just, just really show, like, okay, now this is why we brought you here. Yep. Looking over there, talking about coaches, Coach O, LSU. You know, just two years ago, they were having one of the best teams ever, okay? Um. And now, it's like they're they're cratering. And I don't think I don't think Coach O is going to last at LSU. His buyout's twenty million dollars, so it's a lot to think about. But at the end of the day, I just don't think they're going to tolerate it. I mean, there's too much talent on LSU for them to play like they have. You know, they got the talent. To, even though there was UCLA on the road, that 2019 LSU team would have waxed this year's UCLA team. That game would have been over at half. But they just don't have it. And it it, it seems like, is he like a Larry Coker? Or is he like a Gene Chizik of Auburn who won a national championship uh, in year two, but then kind of fiddled off after that? Is that Coach O? It seems like Coach O stabilized the ship for the first two years. Things got pretty good. They win the national championship, and then it's like they fell off a cliff. Yeah, definitely think if if he doesn't turn around, they they'll pay that money and get him out. Oh, for sure. Because uh, the I think the problem that we're seeing now is like, you you got man, you 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 got to win these games against notable opponents. Like it's it like even to your point, it's it's one thing to take like an early loss on a road, and I mean UCLA is not a bad team this year, but um, like now we're just seeing like it's man, it's just it's not clicking as much since that golden team they had, or even thinking that Joe Burrow's took his departure to the NFL. Right. I'm on. Speaking of the, we're talking we're talking about Georgia this year, and I think Georgia's got some people are talking Georgia. They're great. That defense is high-powered. But I'm going to tell you something. That is not an elite offense. They've got some issues there. All right? I don't see a team across the country this year that's as good as last year's Alabama, 2019 LSU, or 2018 Clemson. To me, those last three teams are some of the best teams ever in college football. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely have to agree with you on that, even in saying that I, I think also some of that doing part was I think you kind of seeing like college football shifted a little bit with this, this COVID and thinking like, you know, it's kind of it, it still has an effect on like the product that we have now to even think like uh, a lot of the people, a lot of the people that switched around from place to place or 
kind of made some different moves because COVID allowed people to get like an extra year of eligibility. And uh, I, I, what I'm actually thinking is happening is it's not all like a bunch of guys like huddled up in one spot like it was before to even think like when you had that COVID season during recruiting, it wasn't the same. You couldn't recruit the same like you did in previous years before COVID. Right. They were coaches were using more Zoom, and I mean, really, the the good schools and the good teams and the good coaches, they still got the best players. But that, here's the thing: where it got interesting, coaches pre-COVID, and even now they're able to do it more too. But pre-COVID, they would do a lot more in-person evaluation. They'd go to the high school game. That didn't happen under COVID during the COVID protocol. So when these coaches were doing these evaluations. Boy, did they have to take on an extra. Maybe they had to go on their gut, but they weren't doing as much in-person evaluation before. So it was probably a little bit more of a challenge to these coaches to kind of go after and vet out and pick who they wanted. Even to mention with that being said, it's like even if you take it back to like before college becomes a thing, like back on the high school level where a lot of politics have played a role inside the school systems to where like there are some schools that still that that don't have any sports right now going there are some schools where seasons ended early seasons didn't start so it's like really right now kind of a little bit further into the pandemic we're kind of like it's been like i said just trying to get back to a little bit of normalcy so you even got to think like some people, like, I mean, if you're not that dedicated to the craft, like, would you really, like, you know, you ain't played no games, and you just been sitting around just waiting to see what's going to happen. And you just, like, kind of, you, you kind of know it's like, you know how, notice how, like, you have, like, the muscle memory. Like, when you take time off from the gym, mm-hmm. but it takes a while to get back in that mode. And absolutely, and I think that, that COVID has, has played a part in what we kind of seeing is going on now. Right. But um, with that said, before we jump to the next thing, we, we got to make sure we hit this before we do anything else. Because even though it was a, I mean, anything associated with the state of Alabama basically took an L. And with that being said, the Tyson, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Water fight part three. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't. I watched the I watched Fury uh, Wilder, two, And I didn't watch one. But I read what I read about it, and I watched this one. And in one, um, Wild that was the, that was Wilder's opportunity to get. Had he done it, he knocked him down three three times, and and Fury got back up and it ended in a draw. Okay, that was his time to knock him to do it. You know what lost him that first one? All right, was that Wilder, and this is what lost him fight number two and lost him fight number three and i'm going to call fight number one even though it was a draw a loss is because it forced him to have to fight him two other times okay is um the fact that um wilder is actually not a skilled technical fighter he is not technically sound and i've read this i've observed it um, he relies too much on his power. He's not crafty. Enough. And the things I have heard about it is 
he's not willing to change. When you fight guys like Fury, who is one of, who is a very technically sound fighter, you're talking good on good. That's you know that's Alabama Georgia from a year ago. That's Alabama LSU. That's you know Clemson Alabama. That's 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 a heavyweight best on best. If he wants to have another shot at getting a belt again. I think he's going to have to refine his craft. Most definitely. And now I watched all three fights. All three. And if, if I'm going back to the first one, legitimately, if he doesn't have any knockdowns, he loses. Because Tyson Fury was beating him on the scorecard. Legit. And when I seen him get knocked down, kind of like in, <laughs> in that last round, in the first one, I'm thinking, Deontay Wilder got it. Th- there's no way he's going to get up from this. But he, Fury ends up getting up, and I, I think he's just like, man, I got nothing to lose at this point. Like, I need to, to kind of take it back to the scorecard. And he ends up putting together, like, a good last haul of combinations and they do call a draw. But then what I think the second one is ultimately what end up losing Deontay Water, the third one. I'm not just going to touch on like you saying, obviously, Fury is way better skilled than Wilder ever is. But it's like to a degree, how much can we blame Wilder or not being skilled when you have to think he had 42, uh, 42 fights, uh, 41 knockouts. That means everybody I'm fighting, for the most part, has died to my right hand. So what really, what really would I work on if, if, if I know like, like even when you've seen some of his other fights that I've seen where Wilder is sitting here getting beat up by the guys that are better boxers than him, but he literally takes all that away with one punch. It's like all your skills don't matter because I'm gonna knock you out. But so I was like, I, to a degree, I don't really fault him on that part. But I think where he messed up in the, the second fight and he did in the third fight, Deontay Wilder ended up putting on more weight. And I think in doing that, Deontay Wilder was probably thinking, if I put on more weight, because he got him down the first one, like, I need more power. I need more strength to, so he doesn't get up. But I, what's ended up happening is because he's not technically sound and with that extra weight, man, Wilder gets gassed so quick. Like, I'm talking like as soon as the second round start happening, Deontay Wilder is tired. So it's a conditioning thing. No, here's the thing he could do. I don't know how the how the thing is structured. The other the other belt, other belts out there, one was held by Anthony Joshua. Yes. And, the other guy, and he lost his. <laughs> I guess Wilder could go after those, right? Well, Anthony Joshua ended up getting it back. He lost to Ruiz the first one, and then they did a rematch, and he won it. He won, but yeah. So, but I, I think at this point, uh, Deontay Waters' hope and still being like relevant would be beating Joshua, but nobody's gonna beat Tyson Fury. And what we're seeing is like he's an anomaly. Like he is literally the equivalent. He's the modern day Muhammad Ali. For for the most part, like I'm, I mean, for the most part, he is he is my version of Muhammad Ali because it's like, first off, you're like he's six nine, how is he moving so fast? How is he putting these combinations together? Even sometimes where it's like, 
how is he a, how is he I just how is he with the type of body he has when you look at him you you just thinking there, there's no way he has a dad bod out there <laughs> and he just making he just making people put people to shame and even with the way he carries himself like he's definitely like like for Jesus and the whole nine but I just love how when he wins he's singing after songs or he's at a a rave after the fight like and even he's passionate yeah like even the way that he talks trash is like <laughs> he literally says what he's gonna do and then he ends up doing it it's it's magnificent to watch i just i just think we did and it was a good fight the third one i mean it was probably the best fight that i've seen in a long time especially heavyweight wise because in my i'm a little bit younger than you i'm only 27 man heavyweights haven't been talked about basically since like mike tyson for the most part Mike Tyson Holyfield is probably like the last big fight it seems like heavyweight there been wise. Elite fighters. Not heavyweight wise, right. at least. Uh, now Wilder is an elite fighter. I mean, he's not. He's not as te- like I said. He's not as technically found sound. But as you said, to your point, he needs he, he needs to go after Joshua. Joshua is his is his route to get a belt. So I don't know how that works. I've read some things on how they. And here's the thing. There's fights you can have that gives you the right to have a um, a chance at the title. But a lot of times with all the rematches and the delays and this and that, sometimes they never even happen. Yeah. and But think- they, they all have to def- – here's the thing. To keep the belt, you have to defend it. Um, there's a certain amount of times you have to defend it. So Joshua will have to defend his belt. Fury will have to defend his belt. Then there's the other belts. I forget what they are. The one, the holders of those will have to defend those as well. So. Yeah. I, I also, I think some of this is doing parts. I just think, like, a lot of the money that's getting involved behind these fights is what's kind of taking them back or holding them up a little bit because people are getting too finicky with contracts. Where, uh, And I think we kind of get this from, like, obviously, like, the Mayweather era of, like, really, like, man, listen, I'm, you know, I'm down to fight, but this money is where it's at for the most part because we know boxing is just, it's a sweet science. It's a deadly thing. It's you, you really just throwing your, basically it would be the equivalent to just throwing your brain inside a Mercedes Benz and just driving it off a cliff over and over and over again. That's the type of sport these guys are in, just taking all these hits based mostly to the cranium. And it's like, it's like you want to, you need more reward behind that when you look at the people in the past, kind of like even some of the older heavyweights for you, like these guys were the heavyweight champions of the world, had a so much, but kind of ended up going broke at one point. Like Evander Holyfield's mansion, I believe, is owned by Rick Ross now. So, and then Mike Tyson kind of had like a big turnaround, obviously. Well, here's the thing you hear about CTE in football. CTE was first discovered in boxing. Mm. They have it. It's it's no doubt. CTE is very common in boxing. It it is. I mean, it's a choice. It's a fun sport to watch. They enjoy it, but I don't know how much money you could pay me to get me to do it. I wouldn't do it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I wouldn't mind doing it. Obviously, I I wouldn't be a heavyweight, so that'd be the first thing. I'd probably have. I go. I go I'd do down it with the... headgear. <laughs> matter we matter of fact, we should box. No, we're going to sumo wrestle. Oh, man. 
Oh man, I'm not putting no no diaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving right along, let's touch on a little recruiting here. Um, Alabama picked up a commitment from the number one tight end in the country out of the Florida, South Florida area. Um, Jaleel Skinner, 6'5", 210, number 74 player in the country, number 10 player in the state of Florida, right there in the Miami Hurricane backyard. Guess what? Miami, they're still a, they're still a dumpster fire, man. They just can't seem to get any traction. We talked about this on one of our podcasts. Um, Alabama's still picking up some recruits there that puts them in the number one recruiting class in the country they were like fifth um they picked up another commitment let me find the uh find that guy yeah elijah pritchett committed on uh september 28th the offensive tackle out of columbus georgia um there was another guy i miss seems to escape me um but apparently there's more coming. Uh, obviously there's more coming. Auburn picked up a guy, kind of a three-star guy. Um, and then uh, taking a look at recruiting rankings right now. Um, let's see here. Pull it up here. On 247, you got Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, Texas, Notre Dame, and your Oregon Ducks at number six. The Ohio State Buckeyes, Oklahoma. Oklahoma picked up a five-star defensive lineman. Texas A&M, LSU, excuse me, Texas A&M, the Florida State Seminoles, Clemson, North Carolina, Florida, Stanford, Michigan, Michigan State, Mizzou, Virginia Tech, Arkansas, Rutgers, Kentucky, South Carolina, West Virginia, and Boston College round out the top 25 recruiting. Rich keep getting richer, but your Oregon Ducks, man, making some noise out there in, on the West Coast with some recruiting. Looks like, uh, let's see what their latest, yeah, they got a commitment on October the 2nd from Devin Jackson out of Omaha, Nebraska. Wonder why the Cornhuskers. He's a four-star um, linebacker, number 154 player in the country, 18 in his position, number two in the state of Nebraska. Kind of a expanding their footprint outside of the West Coast. They also got a linebacker of the state of Alabama, T.J. Dudley. They got him back in the summer. He's a four-star out of Montgomery. Uh, my understanding, Alabama didn't press for him real hard, but that's still a good pickup coming down to SEC country to get a guy, a four-star talent like that. Mm-hmm, most definitely. And they have another wide receiver out of Fayetteville, right there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's where the University of Arkansas is, and he's going out to Oregon. So, Oh, and there's another guy from Alabama, quarterback, Tanner Bailey from the state of Alabama, who's – I know his story. One grandfather played at Auburn, one grandfather played at Alabama. Now, he didn't have a hard, committable offer from either one of them, I don't think, from what I understand. But he had an offer, and he really wanted it. Maybe they could have worked something out. It seems like Oregon's recruiting on another level than even the Chip Kelly era. Uh, seems like um, 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 Cristobal is recruiting on a whole another level. And I think, side note, I want to say that also, I, I want to say that's doing part to COVID not being so strict as, as with this, us being in the Pac-12 as far as the other schools. Like, when you think even about the bread and butter of the conference being in California with these tight restrictions, 
it's just, it's not a, it's not lucrative right now for you when you're thinking like next level. Mm-hmm. Even to your point, just having a bunch of fans in the stands cheering for you, it's just a different environment. That's right, and it's a competitive advantage and a competitive disadvantage who aren't who aren't you know getting with the program there. So it'll be interesting. There's some a lot of key targets out there for a lot of schools. Uh, Alabama typically has finished in the top five every year for many years now. So I don't expect that to change. Um, and I, but I think your Oregon Ducks are going to do well. Penn State's recruiting at another level than they have in a while. I mean, the number two overall class is going to be real interesting. Um, look at some of the projections on 247. Um, for some guys, looks like a guy, Ohio State has a projection from Kenyatta Jackson. And then a, Texas A&M has a projection from a Anai White, he's a edge rusher out of Philadelphia. Um, it's going to be interesting. It doesn't say when his commitment is, but um, a lot of that, that could change. It's real fluid. With the early signing period, though, in December now, that kind of changes a lot of the dynamics. You could see coaches make a late push in February, but the thing is a good number of the top players are signing in, in December, not in February. You still have some that wait to February, but a good number of them sign in December now. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you could even point that out to saying, like, man, it's just, man, let me just hurry up and make a decision now. Why, why prolong so much when it's like a lot of, like, I'm saying, a lot of people ready to get out there, ready to change, ready to just make something happen. Yeah. Well, we've had a good show uh, podcast. Let's start talking about some of the games this weekend. We'll make our predictions, and uh, we'll uh, we'll end it on a note, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Um, let's take a look at some games. I know your your um, your um, ducks were off last week, and we talked a little bit about that. That. Um, um, that they would have a week off. I remember that it seemed like they had a big game coming up. Nah, we played California Bears this Okay, week. well, that's an important game is what I'm going to say. Yeah, conference game, uh, we'll definitely win that one. Alabama has a, another road game against Mississippi State and Starkville. Um, little trivia note, some people that aren't from this area, what two universities in the SEC are closest to each other? Oh, you got me. Mississippi State and Alabama. Mm. Hour apart. Mm. Starkville, Mississippi is about an hour from Tuscaloosa. Really, you can get there in 50 minutes. Interesting. Uh, Alabama has to go there. Auburn is coming off that loss to Georgia, which I thought they would. I think I made a prediction of 34-7. to They ended up losing 34-10. to I was pretty close there. Mm. And um, a lot of interesting games out there. Um Let's start. We'll make our predictions, and we'll go from there. We're going to start with um, your Cal, your Oregon Ducks. They are hosting tomorrow night the Cal Bears there in Outson Stadium. I like the Ducks to get it done. They're going to put it together. They're going to put. They're going to bounce back from that Stanford loss. I think they're going to be on a tear from here on out. I like the Oregon Ducks big. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely think we, like I said earlier, we, we're, we'll get it done. I feel like the, the bye week give us some time to turn, turn around and just develop what we need to develop in order to put together a good run of football so we can make our way back to this playoff. Now, 20th ranked, the Florida Gators going on the road, taking on Coach O, the unranked LSU Tigers, which probably they have the talent to be ranked, but they're not. They lost their top two cornerbacks for the year. They lost their top receiver for the year. They're really doo-dooing the bed all over the place. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's you might as well roll in the crap. I like the Gators to get it done. I think I'm going to take the Gators. I'm going to go Gators 38. I'm going LSU 20. I'm, I'm going to take that same. Actually, I'll take the 20 for LSU, and I'll take I take forty for Florida. All right. Uh, Texas Longhorns coming off of a loss where they really, man, they let that one get away. They they went up big on Oklahoma. They're hosting the Oklahoma State Cowboys, twelfth ranked. Man, I don't know. I, I I don't know what team will show up. You got five and zero Oklahoma State going to Texas. I think Texas is back to the wall. I think they're. In some ways, I want to say I think they're going to win. But in some ways, I want to pick Oklahoma State. But I think I'm going to take Texas in a real close one. Mm, I'm going to go with the the hot hand here. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. I I almost want to pick that. I mean, I just think Texas' back is to the wall, but and they're at home. It's kind of like how the Alabama Texas A&M played out. Texas A&M had lost two in a row. Their back was to the wall, and it was Alabama. It was at home. It was at night. It was at College Station, and they got a turnover, and things kind of fell their way. Um, going back, looking at Texas A&M coming off that big upset of Alabama, they're going on the road, going to Columbia, Missouri. I like the Aggies winning going away. I'm going to go. Really, the A&M offense only scored, they scored 31 points. Some of it was off a turnover. I'm going to say Texas A&M, 38. I'm going to go Mizzou, 10. Yeah, I definitely think, uh, I'm going to take Texas A&M. Alabama win is a great way to move going forward. And I I think that um, they'll... They'll end up like putting together a good a good run going forward in the SEC, making it competitive again. They couldn't come at a better time and getting a, an easier opponent in Missouri. Yeah, let's talk about something interesting here. Cincinnati, number three in the country, which to me is laughable, um, hosting UCF. I'm gonna take Cincinnati going away. I'm, I'm gonna definitely take Cincinnati. Um, I don't know if it's laughable because I remember the the game that basically got them here, if I'm not mistaken, was it was the Notre Dame game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so which I predicted that I predicted I, I felt like they would get it done. I feel like you know it's doable. I mean the same thing you could say even with I mean San Diego State is ranked like 24 in the country right now. I mean they probably could win out the rest of their schedule, but I don't. I don't think it's enough to make a you know get them in the playoff. Like I said, with some of these teams having harder schedules, and if they remain with one loss, good deal. Auburn coming off their loss to Georgia, going on the road, playing the Arkansas Razorbacks up in Fayetteville, Arkansas. 
is coming off two losses, one a really tough one against uh, Ole Miss, and then one where they were kind of just outmanned against Georgia. I'm going to take the Razorbacks at home. They're not going to lose three in a row. I think Auburn's going to come uh, come tumbling down. I've said this. I, I, Auburn almost lost to LSU. Really should have lost to LSU. Um, but I'm going to take Arkansas to knock off Auburn at home. 17th ranked Arkansas, that is. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go with the Razorbacks as well. I, I don't, I don't see Auburn getting it done against them, and then I just feel like, that, oh, man, I don't know. I might have to look at the rest of Auburn's schedule for next week, but it's pretty much just time for them to just think like, who are we getting next year to turn this thing around? Because I don't, a playoff is kind of out of the question. Yeah, I don't see them making the playoff. Here's the big game of the week, and it's really it's a mirage. And I'll say why it's a mirage is because one of these teams has overachieved, but they're really not as good as their record. But I'm not saying they're not a good team. They are, but they've overachieved. And that's the 11th-ranked undefeated Kentucky Wildcats going on the road to Athens, Georgia, to host to play, excuse me, play number one Georgia. They don't match up well, but I do think there's they might be able to keep slow the game down and keep it interesting early. But I like the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm gonna go Georgia 31. I'm going Kentucky seven. Man, I I, I want to shut out. I think Georgia's defense will shut Kentucky out. That's what I'm going with. Well, what's what's the score for? A 35. 35 nothing. Okay. Number two, Iowa hosting Purdue. I like uh, Iowa on that one. They won't, they won't disappoint. Number 19, going on the road to play Baylor. Baylor's 5 and 1, 2 5 and 1. I like Baylor in the upset. I'm going to go with Baylor as well. Gotcha. All right, let's get into it. Mississippi State hosting Alabama. Mississippi State sitting at Three and two, Alabama five and one. Kind of ironically, the last game for each of these teams was Texas A&M. Mississippi State upset Texas A&M, and Texas A&M upset Alabama. However, in sports, just because A beats B and B uh, B beats C doesn't mean A beats C. So, I take the Tide. I think the Tide will really bounce back. They'll look good doing it. I like them winning pretty considerably. Mm-hmm. You agree? I agree. Number four, Oklahoma hosting TCU. TCU sitting at three and two. They're, they're hosting TCU. I think it's going to be interesting, but I think Oklahoma will find a way to win. Number 13, Ole Miss going on the road. This is the Kiffin Bowl. Lane Kiffin playing his the old Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee has been a kind of a surprise team. They look a lot better. They're four and two. They've played a lot more discipline. I like Ole Miss. I'm going Ole Miss 49. I'm going Tennessee, 35. I'm going to take that same one. Yeah. I'm not. We're, we won't call a prediction for NC State, Boston College. We'll go out to the Pac-12. Arizona State going going on the road to Utah. Utah's at 3-2. and two. Arizona State's 5-1. and one. I like the Sun Devils. Yes, sir. Um, What other games are out there that I'm leaving out? Um, what about in the Big Ten? Are there any other games that we're leaving out? I think that might have been them all. Um, 
these these bye weeks coming up, so it's just taking less games off the schedule at this point. Let's look on another website real quick. I don't want to leave anybody out um, before we end. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at these games. Oh, Miami's going on the road, North Carolina. I'm going to take North Carolina bouncing back against the Hurricanes. Could go either way. They're both reeling a little bit. Um, UCLA is going at Washington. I like I like the Bruins in that game. Um, any other game you want to take a stat? Oh, Nebraska is going on the road to Minnesota. I like the Cornhuskers. No, I think uh, I can't think of anything else. I mean, even to be honest, I'm I'm more excited. I'm kind of. I'm still going to get some of this college football in, but this, would it be in October? It's the baseball season's month. I'm just excited to see if my Red Sox can pull it off. I've, I've, man, my, a lot of my teams are making some playoff pushes this year. Wouldn't it be something else if your Red Sox and my Atlanta Braves faced in the World Series? It, it would be a good time, man. I would hope we could go to the game where the Red Sox end up losing. I mean, the Red Sox end up winning. And I get to see the look on your face when the Braves face defeat again. Well, we'll see how it goes. But we made our predictions. It's been a fun week. We enjoy it. We'll see how the games play out this week, this weekend for college football. We'll see how the Major League Baseball plays out. Uh, we'll talk again. Everybody, we enjoyed it. Peace out. Have a good evening and a safe and fun weekend. Peace.